Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Kev, and today we're heading down to the American Midwest and getting slotty like a riverboat casino. That's because today we're giving you our thoughts on Season 4, Part 1 of Netflix's Ozark. If you ever change your mind about leaving, leaving me behind, bring it to me, bring your sweet loving, bring it all. A huge thank you to Netflix Canada, as always, for hooking us up with the episodes in advance so we could put this episode together faster than a Marty Bird laundering scheme. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, we are a podcast looking at the world of film, television, games, toys and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the program today are my usual partners in crime. They're the furthest thing from a Mexican drug lord, but when they're talking about geeky things, you'll be anything but bored. Of course, I'm talking about Justin Lawrence and Nate Shelton. How are we today, boys? Bird is the word, bro. Bird is the (laughs) word. (laughs) Well, uh, this one kind of snuck up on us really quickly. Um, I mean, I know I did mention it in my things to look forward to for 2022 in our uh, Geek Back episode, but uh, Mm -hmm. it just sort of came out of nowhere, and uh, I couldn't be happier after... Uh, quite a long break uh, between season three and four here, yeah. uh, and leaving us on on quite the explosive cliffhanger. It was uh, exciting to get back into uh, the world of Ozark and all the dirty, dastardly people that uh, inhabit it. Yeah, I think it was 664 days since the end of season three, something like that. I, I, I remember reading somewhere. So yeah, it's been a while. And I remember when we got these episodes uh, from Netflix Canada, like we, we didn't get a, uh, a recap uh, and yeah. we had to kind of scour the Internet quickly to to remind ourselves of all the events without having to basically go through them again. But yeah, it's it's been a while and it's crazy to think about how much that did happen in season three that we're picking up with here in season four. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I forgot three even existed. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Three Langmore was even a character, and for a lot of this uh, first half of this season, feels like the showrunners might have forgot- forgotten that as well. Uh, but uh, no, you know, I think the the coolest thing about this show is um, it is obviously really reliant on its performances uh, to really to really mm-hmm. carry it, but. The, the storylines, they are easy to sort of slide back into. And I think if you hop onto uh, YouTube um, in, and, you know, if, you, if the Netflix recap doesn't do a good enough job, there's a bunch of really good ones on there sure. uh, that you can quickly watch. And I highly recommend that you do for some context um, so you can understand sort of where the characters are at, um, especially someone like Jonah. I think uh, seeing him affected so much by Ben's death this season, I kind of had to like sort of go back and re- watch some of the moments of interaction between him and Ben because I didn't really remember them being that close, uh, at least to justify <laughs> some of his actions this uh, this season. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, definitely do yourself a favor and watch one of those things. Yeah, Sarah and I went and found a, a good four or five minute long video on, on YouTube just to sort of refresh anything. And it was certainly helpful. I mean, you remember the big moments, but it is, you mentioned there, Nate, the, the small smaller moments. nuanced moments that really help explain the character motivations, especially, I felt, in this season four, part one. Uh, but before we give our spoiler-filled thoughts on season four, uh, I would like to do a quick recap of where we last left off. Uh, sure. 
uh, with Marty, Helen, Ruth, and all the wonderfully deplorable characters of the world of Ozark. So as fans of the show know, Ozark started as a rel relatively conservative crime drama. After aligning himself with the worst business partner ever, all that Marty Bird, played by Jason Bateman, wanted to do was appease a cartel and save his family. Uh, that appeasement started with some small stakes, money laundering, four seasons, a funeral home, a strip club, a bar, a casino, and multiple deaths later. This story has gotten bigger than Marty could ever have imagined. By the time season three finished, Wendy uh, had to have her troubled bipolar brother Ben killed. This, of course, created a huge rift between Wendy and Ben's lover and Marty's former business partner, Ruth. Ruth is then swayed to go work with her cousin Wyatt and his too-old-for-him girlfriend, Mrs. Shotgun to the Pecker herself, Darlene. <laughs> uh, add to this warring drug cartels and a shady lawyer named Helen that is the center of attention in the season's mind-blowing, literally, finale. Then you've got yourself a formula for what should be a tense and exciting final season. So, gents, we've watched the seven episodes that make up part one uh, of the fourth, or sorry, of the fourth and final season. Keeping things brief and spoiler-free, what were your overall thoughts? And I really enjoyed this season because, you know, it, it, it continues that slow burn that the Ozark is known for, but it's it keeps you engaged based on the character dynamics. And at its core, this this entire show seems to really be exploring, you know, the notion of what a family looks like, uh, especially how different that is when they're all involved in the family business of crime. Like, this is only one part of two, which gives justifications to the sort of tempered or, or more reserved notion of resolving some of the narratives while setting up uh, what will be uh, a great, a great uh, part two. And I think the entire cast just... They bring their A game uh, for what looks to be, looks like this is going to be the conclusion of the Bird family story. But, you know, how it'll come together, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's it's exciting. It's a really good, good entry into uh, to the finale. It might be my, it might be my favorite from what we've gotten from the show so far in terms of these seven episodes. I think, um, you know, I, I can't really remember the other seasons impacting me this much in the sense that it this really did a great job of starting you off at the bottom of the ride and and ramping you all the way up to the top um and i think it it you know it's it keeps that tension growing yes. from episode to episode yeah. to episode it doesn't really dip at any point in time where i have found that some of the previous seasons have done that so i think you know for seven episodes really really smart decision to split it up from you know part one and a part two i, I really think that and uh i gotta say by the end of the episode seven, uh, like my back was hurting. That's how much I was tensed up watching that finale. Um, and what incredible, as you said, Justin, performances by the entire cast. I think this season, if there's one word to describe it, it's it's elevated. Every aspect of the show is elevated uh, with this uh, these seven episodes, and I absolutely enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was a little, uh, not nervous, but... I wondered why they added four episodes to this season in dividing it into two seven-part installments. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I always appreciate shows that don't just simply feel the need to, we have to make this 10 episodes and we'll fill in the gaps here, or we have to make these episodes all exactly 50 minutes long. I like a show where one episode might be 41 minutes, one episode might be 55 minutes, and it's about 
just using enough time and as much time as needed to tell the story that needs to be told. And so I thought that in expanding this first part to seven episodes instead of just five, it really did let a lot of the moments breathe, the characters to really express themselves better, and for the story to just develop at a natural pace. And so I, I really did appreciate that from the showrunners. Um, and I would say aside from... Opening up on something that really bothers me. We'll talk about that uh, as we get Ooh. into things that we didn't okay. like. Um, I did find this to be a damn near perfect uh, season uh, for this show. And, and it really did set the stakes so, so high for part two. Uh, well, so let's just move right into the nitty gritty specifics. Keep in mind, folks, this is where we will start plunging into spoiler territory. So if you haven't yet watched season four... Give this show a pause, head over to Netflix for a hefty little binge, and then come back to see what we thought. So while it looked like for the longest time drug cartel leader Navarro was poised to be the big bad for the show, suddenly a new front runner has emerged. Navarro's cousin Javi, who clearly has his eyes set on taking over the cartel and running it his way, uh, he appears to be more unhinged and dangerous than Navarro ever was, which is... And, uh, you know, uh, uh, quite the feat. <laughs> the majority yeah. of season four has Marty and Wendy feuding with Ruth and Darlene, who have swayed Jonah over to their side of their little war. But in a shocking turn of events to cap off the season, Javi kills Darlene and Wyatt for refusing to stop their drug-dealing ways, which sends Rose over the cliff of stability and sanity. On top of that, Wendy herself seems to be losing her sensibilities as she makes a series of uncharacteristic mistakes throughout the season, not to mention, Special Agent Maya Miller betrays the birds in a selfish move that could have gotten everyone killed. All of this adds up to an electric cliffhanger final episode, and all of the ingredients are in place for what should be an explosive part two finale. So, with that said, gentlemen, what worked this season? What were some characters, moments, just things in general that have you really worked up? Um, well, you, you said it. Uh, you know, characters are, are where what worked for me, really, because I think that that kind of helped with this overall story uh moving forward so I, i've i've outlined some characters that that really stood out to me the first is is ruth um you know she's just as mouthy as you remember uh and there's just so much growth from from season one to now marty has obviously fully expanded her into bringing her as part of the business and you know seeing her having to deal with uh after season three the loss of ben um, and I think she kind of feels partially responsible for that. And there's an emotional fallout that we see that kind of consumes itself into her wanting to, you know, go work with Darlene and, you know, leaving, you know, uh, uh, Marty and, and, and the family and saying, you know, you know, F you to them. Right. So um, but I feel like at the end, you know, where we find ourselves with her character, she's kind of in the same place where her actions have led to to the death of Wyatt, who I think she was really trying to avoid and trying to keep out of this business. Um, and it, it inevitably got him. Yeah. I think the, the aspect of almost um, giving that level of parody between the birds and between Ruth uh, and that aspect of, we just got to get the frick out of here. We just need to, everyone needs to get out. And it's almost like you're seeing a race to the finish mm -hmm. to, to try to escape death ultimately. Um, and unfortunately that, that doesn't work out for, for Wyatt um, as well as Darlene. And I, I do want to say this scene, like Julia Garner, you know, obviously she's already won uh, the Emmy for this show. Uh, she should win another one because the performance in that finale when she, my, I think probably my favorite moment 
for her character and maybe in this show is her calling Frank Jr. The moment she calls Frank Jr. and she's telling him about, uh, you know, like, what did you do? What did you do? Why did you kill? Why, did, why didn't you just kill Darlene? Why did you have to kill my brother? She says my brother. And they're cousins. Yeah. And I just, whether that's, whether that's something she added or something that was written in there, the way it's delivered and that entire moment and her screaming at Marty, like, I just, I, I'm, I can't get over how incredibly talented she is. And uh, I just want to watch so many, so many more things with Julia Garner in it. Um, but yeah, I did think she was phenomenal. I also really want to quickly comment uh, Laura Linney as Windy Bird really stepped it up this season. I thought there was a lot more focus on her character. And I also think that Wendy as a character, when we talk about character development, she's like she's gotten there. She's gone down to the darkest, yes. the lowest of low. Yeah. Seeing her stand, sit in front of Darlene as Darlene's having a heart attack. And she's just literally contemplating, should I call the ambulance or should I let this problem go away? Now she, I, I think she wasn't <sighs> even contemplating it. It was more like, let her suffer. Let her suffer. Yeah, I guess. To that yeah, enjoy the moment breath. for long enough. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Just long no, enough. Yeah, she she has become in, like incredibly ruthless, and I and I loved seeing how you know she was like this wholesome mom who who didn't really know the ins and outs and from season one about what Marty was doing, and you know they were having their own marital problems, and now she's in it, she's in it to win it, and yeah. you know she's proving that that with her and Marty they can control the Bird family's destiny, right? Like they can they can basically write their own destiny and. You know, while she seems to be on a crusade to do good with the money that she's obtained through illegal means, I think it's just it's not going to work out to her favor. And I think it's just, no. you know, with blood on that money, it's never going to it's never going to work out. So, mm. uh, yeah, her character has, has gone down that rabbit hole. Oh, big time. And I mean, the dynamic between Wendy and Marty has shifted entirely. I mean, this season, Marty really isn't doing no, all no. that much in terms of you know the the bad stuff that got them to where they are now and i mean i loved jason bateman's performance this whole season uh i think i've mentioned it in reviews for ozark before and that i love that jason bateman who's always the the straight guy in uh comedy atmospheres where everyone else around him is funny and he's sort of having to absorb that as the straight man here he's probably the funniest character on the show and just <laughs> yeah. his responses to jonah getting into laundering and you can see this like uh, he's so this proud. very yeah he's, he's got so much pride and he's yeah. like oh, wendy oh yeah. good for you oh wow yeah. you know well done yeah, wendy just, that that was so fun all season <laughs> i love that scene when wendy's like do not be proud do not be proud. <laughs> but, you know, you said it. That's the, you know, the third character. Uh, I loved seeing Jonah pursue yeah. his own career in money laundering as another f*** you to his mother. And, 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 and as, you know, this has allowed him to take center stage. You know, in the past seasons, he's been seen as the baby of the family, constantly being looked after and, and being lied to as a way to protect him uh, while the rest of the family, you know, kind of goes about their business. And, you know, this this season gives him an opportunity to shine and really get his feet wet in this this sort of crime circle, if you will. And also given the fact that he was always seen with other father figures like Buddy um, and then also mm -hmm. Ben, uh, ben. Which, yeah. with, with being a, his uncle, you know, they've all left him. And I think the, the biggest thing is, is that he's really dealing with the emotional consequences of of his family being the reason why his uncle's dead. 
Um, I think that that's that's what he's really negotiating with. And he's trying to prove a point, obviously, in this season by going and working with Darlene. I, I, I loved that, you know, for me, at least he was one of those these three characters that really stood center stage in this story um, as as these events kind of unfolded. And I think they did such a great job, both with both with Jonah and with Charlotte this season, to really show the emphasis on the imprint that their parents have had on both of them. Obviously, with Charlotte being a lot more, you know, on her mother's side of things uh, this season, or on her on their parents' side of things, mostly just wanting to get out. Um, and then Jonah taking on the aspect of every mini mini Marty basically in this season. And uh, at the same time, you also see him run his mouth, which we got to see, you know, Wendy do quite a few times where she just, she tries to throw Darlene under the bus in that one scene, right? Where she just mentions uh, Darlene Snell to the, the, the federal agents. And, you know, I think the idea is that they, they are really trying to show and set up, I think Charlotte and Jonah for an intriguing future, um, I'll, I'll get a little bit more to that if we maybe talk about theories. Um, but I just, yeah, I do think that uh, they just elevated every single character. I do think Marty and Charlotte took a little bit of a backseat in these seven episodes. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see if they maybe give Charlotte a little bit more to do uh, in the remaining seven episodes. Um, but I, I, again, I think to allow Wendy and to allow Jonah to kind of step into the forefront for these episodes uh, was really smart. And then, of course... Ruth's my favorite character, so, you know, just more of Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that this is going to come to a conclusion that heavily involves her. But, you know, mm -hmm. you, you called out Charlotte. I think the, the one moment that really stood out for me with Charlotte is when she threatened her friend Aaron, right? Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and I think yeah. that that just shows that, like, you know, she's not in that sort of place to be kind of given those threats. But, you know, she's <laughs> she's dropping those threats because at the end of the day, you know, for for all the birds family is is obviously they essential. have to protect their own they and that's what wendy does yeah. right and again what an amazing parallel from between those two characters for sure absolutely i was actually going to talk about charlotte in what didn't work for me but you guys have kind yeah. of swayed me oh. in that there was enough done in this season just to show the 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 difference between how her and Jonah have responded to everything that's happened to the Bird family. And so, yeah, whereas she has stayed entirely loyal to her mother and father, you see Jonah. And, I mean, nothing he's done has been single-handedly meant to bring the family down or anything. He's just saying, I'll get my own. I'll, t I'll get mine on my own without your help. I'm done with you. And really... Nothing he's done is any worse than anything Wendy has done to her own son just for her own gains. I mean, her selfishness in this season knows no bounds. And the fact that she's now supporting a politician who's going to be rigging elections just because it will financially benefit her. I mean, she is she is the ultimate baddie in this in the group that 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 focuses on the Ozark here. I also wanted to bring up uh, Frank Jr. and Ruth's sort of strange uh, relationship that they they sort of form uh, in the back half of these episodes. And I I really, really loved that moment where they sort of just apologize to each other. I thought that was so well done and so powerful and something that unfortunately we don't really get to see between these characters who have these feuds, who have these fights in this show. We don't really get to see those moments of, of forgiveness. So to see their their those characters sort of make that flip like that didn't feel unnatural and looked and it just it just felt 
so lovely, and it was a really lovely moment uh, in this show, the, in this these seven episodes that, again, for the most part, <laughs> otherwise you're just constantly clenched at the butthole. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was probably one of the more uh, gratifying moments from this season is to see mm. Frank Jr. and and Ruth kind of uh, reconcile as you as you described, and you know, kind of s- align that they're both trying to carve their own path in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just amazing how good this show is that Frank Jr. is a sympathetic character this season. Right? You know, you <laughs> you feel bad for the guy, and he's such a dick all of season three. Well, not, that, not anymore. Well, not anymore. he's not a whole lot of dick anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So just again, just another testament to the incredible writing that goes on in the show. Now, if we are going to get into some stuff that didn't work, sure. Um, I, I want to. I yeah. think we can jump right into that and and sort of maybe find a few flaws here and there because because again I found very few uh, for myself. It's very little for me. I think the only thing that that didn't work and it's the same thing that didn't work with the previous season as well was the relationship between Wyatt and Darlene for me. I just I I get it. I get that we're not sp- supposed to like it. I get that we're not supposed to um, fully understand it. It just it doesn't. It just didn't feel believable enough to me, and I also I don't know I would have liked to have liked it to have that pay or to sorry to to have that impact of both of their deaths. I think you know in as we just said with Frank Jr. the fact that they can take that character and turn that around. I do think it would have been really interesting to see if we had maybe a little bit more time with Darlene or a little bit more time with Wyatt or maybe if they had just done a better job setting up this relationship that I, I could feel a little bit more sad by it. Again, I was sad about Wyatt, but only because of Ruth. Nothing else, nothing to do with, Dar- with Darlene. No, I know. Yeah, they, they almost needed to do more to bring Darlene onto the right side of things. So we could have yeah. felt a bit more sympathy when the threat of having the baby taken away was there, you know. But mm-hmm. she's just so over the top evil, even in this season, right up to the end that you're right, Nate. It was hard to find any any sorrow in her death. But I think the the real tragedy there is how she brought Wyatt down along with her, right? And yeah. he was mm-hmm. so close to getting out. If he had just left that morning, things would have been so much different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that, you know, it didn't bother me. Um, it wasn't one of the negatives for me. I, I think, you know, it's a stretch, like you're saying, Nate, to like really do it, with, especially with, without necessarily all the groundwork to help establish the meaningfulness right. of their relationship. Uh, yeah. That being said, you know, we see those moments throughout this season, at least where Darlene seems to be kind of unhinged and realizing that, you know, she's at her end, you know, she's surrounded by, you know, this new blood with these new thoughts. Right. And she's so old school in her ways. Right. So I think they did a good job of kind of hinting. I was, I was definitely on the basis that she was going to die. I just didn't know if why it was going to get out, but you know, if, the way this show goes, it was bound to happen. I, I'm totally on board with you, Nate, though, that the relationship just, it's icky on so many levels. We're talking about a 23-year-old <laughs> man with a 70-year-old woman, and it's just, yeah. I'm all for love knows no bounds, and, you know, age is just a number, but a, a 50-year difference is, is just unsettling to watch on screen, you know, as, as they're kissing and everything like that. Which is why, again, like, I... I, I... Seeing seeing some of the relationships in this show, seeing some of the characters in this show, and again, I bring up Frank Jr. one more time in the sense of like the way they were able to so swiftly 
turn us around with that character, or at least turn me around. I do think it would just would have it would have just added a little sprinkle of something for 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 her if I could have felt sorry for her, if I could have felt sad about what was going on, and and if I could have even just understood and seen their love and and really really felt that because again for a show to be able to pull off what you just called an icky relationship and turn that around would be really impressive. I do think they have the writing chops to do it. I just don't think they did. Yeah, and they had seven episodes, and we said how that gave them more time, and they used it to to develop these characters so much, and they could have spent just a little time sprinkled throughout yeah. to, like you said, maybe not make Darlene a better person, but let us understand why Wyatt sees something in her that we just don't see. That would have gone a long way there, I yeah. think. I totally it, agree. At a certain point, it transitioned to just fear, though, in my mind. Yeah. Like, in, in my mm-hmm. mind, it was like, yeah, it was all fine and dandy. But then when he started to see how crazy she was, he was just oh. scared, right? So, yeah. and I think that that's why he was, he kind of was reluctant to to leave, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like they, they did enough to establish that really at the, at the end of it, while it might have been misty-eyed love that kind of brought them together, what kept them together was Wyatt's fear. Mm. Very interesting. Just, is there anything that... Uh... No, I honestly don't think that there is. And again, I guess it comes down to the fact that this is part one of two. So maybe when we have the conversation about part two in conjunction with this, there might be some things that didn't work. But, you know, again... Charlotte was a bit, you know, backseat. Same with with Marty, but I think rightfully so because the characters that were at the forefront, at least the three that I outlined from from Ruth, Wendy, and and Jonah, they really did take center stage, and it really like this this part one gives them the opportunity to shine even more than previous. And Charlotte, seasons. Charlotte had her center stage. You know what I mean? Charlotte has already had that. Yep. We've seen a lot of her growing up. Um, Marty, obviously, and especially in the last season, Marty, that was the majority of the final few episodes was Marty alone. So um, I think I do think that it is a good idea to sort of step aside and let these other characters shine. I will say, though, the the winner for stepping aside three Langmore, as I said, uh, (laughs) (laughs) completely gone for a lot of this season. I don't know if that was a production situation. I don't know if that was a conscious choice. Um, I don't know if, as we said, in the next part, if maybe he will play a bigger role, especially with Wyatt gone. Um, well, maybe I... maybe we will see that. But I, I just I, I did kind of feel like there wasn't really any purpose for his character to even be. Well, in this he lives season, on the trailer park, episodes. so he, he had to. He right. was obviously still there. I, I agree with you. I think I think where we're going to see three become more relevant is probably in part two. Uh, if that's the case, because he's still like younger, he's still outside of of this whole thing. And maybe this is where he's going to kind of step you know, forward and really be there for Ruth and help Ruth figure out how to, you know, enact some sort of revenge plot against Namaro. And I don't know how how legal stuff works. And I know we didn't really get a chance to see. Uh, let me just clarify something. Did did Wyatt and Darlene, they actually did. Get, yeah, they did get married. So I don't think we got a chance to see what would be left in a will. Um, I'm just curious to maybe maybe that's where they go with with the three character. Maybe three inherits the Snell's farm, uh, and and maybe that you know the heroin empire along with it. I don't know if he's interested in that, but uh, it would be kind of interesting to see if maybe they take that turn with him. And it's funny because I think he's only in. In terms of a speaking role, he's really only in one scene, right? Where he's yeah. getting ready for the wedding and trying on the suit. And it's a great scene between him and Ruth. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the young man who plays uh, 
uh, uh, three, Carson Holmes, I think he seems to have gotten better as an actor. I, I always mm-hmm. felt he sort of struggled to keep up with, with the people he was on screen with before. But here he was, he was right there with Julie and, and did a great job. And so, yeah, I would like to see a bit more and see how Wyatt's death affects him in, in part two. Uh, if I was going to nitpick anything about the show, uh, it's one thing. It stood out to me the whole season, um, and we still didn't get a, a resolution to it. Uh, and it's the car crash that takes place mm-hmm. in that opening scene. There is nothing worse that you can do for me than show me where my characters <laughs> are going to be after everything I'm about to watch. I mean, right. especially in a show where there are so many stakes, where death is always a possibility for any character at any time. To know that these four characters, these four main characters, are going to live long enough to at least be in a van together driving on the road where they then get into a car accident, it took away a lot of suspense for me from anything that was happening when the birds were involved. And you notice uh, they, I don't think, I don't think at any point in time all four of them are in the van. A lot of sort of little things happen to cause at least one of them to not be in the van throughout the season, uh, at, yeah. throughout yeah, this throughout yeah, these yeah. seven episodes. So you know it, it, they could have. You're right. They could have played with something along the lines of like putting them in a very similar situation. Is this the scene, um, or just I, not I, showing it? Why do we need to see that that's going to happen? Let that be a surprise when it does happen. You know, right. if the four of them are in a car, they don't seem to be fighting all that much. Even it means something's yeah. happened to reconcile things, and now we know that even if things do get better, it's going to get worse for them again. Well, this goes into my theory for for what's going to happen next. But yeah. I think that scene is very prevalent because I think it's the calm before the storm, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's literally them after sort of resolving, maybe even getting out by the looks of it. They're they're gearing up and they're they might be finally heading back to Chicago as a as a family unit, which was you know that big task for them in in this part one. Um, and I and I wonder, like we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I think. To see that moment, Kevin, as you called out, like them kind of all being okay with each other, it does kind of throw you for a curveball then when you when you start the rest of the season after seeing that scene and they're kind of, you know, Jonah's very distant from them and he has a lot of aggravation. So you know that they're going to come to some point where they are going to inevitably get there. The, the thing is, is what's that outcome? Do they die in that car crash? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that mm. is that literally what that is insinuating? And was it a hit? It looks like it was a hit because that truck definitely was in the wrong lane. Uh, and it looked very similar to the trucks that were carrying the guns. We see trucks yeah. throughout the yeah. season play a pivotal right. role. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, it, yeah, it certainly looks like maybe Javi's responsible for the accident itself. Well, do we want to just jump into predictions for, for yeah. where we think we're going with, with part two? Let's Let's not waste any time. So I think I think the show uh, gave us really interesting foreshadowing uh, with the moment between Jonah and Charlotte. Um, I think when they were in Buddy's tomb, uh, Jonah asks her if she ever thought about what they'd do if their parents died. And I think I think this whole seven episodes, you know, we see such uh, an emphasis put on the aspect of the sort of the theme of the impact of the of these events, you know, that that these are having on the younger generation of people and how they deal with what their parents or the people before them yeah. have left the behind yeah. and the fallout. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've got Jonah and Charlotte, of course, but then you've got Frank dealing with, with, you know, Frank Jr. And, and that, that aspect and Frank Jr. Dealing with the loss of, of Frank and then Javi and Omar uh, and, and what's going on with them. You've got to a certain degree, Wyatt taking care of Darlene because of the death of Jacob. 
And in the last season, we saw Ruth having to deal with the outcome of her father's death uh, and sort of having to deal with what all, everything that, that she had to sort of take on because of that. So I feel like that's such a major theme throughout these seven episodes. I think it's going to continue past that car crash. I don't think we're going to get that car crash right away. I think it is going to continue to lead because, as you said, Justin, there they seem to be in higher spirits at that point than where we leave them in this. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of time. Maybe the second last episode we get that car crash, and I think Marty and Wendy Bird both die in that car crash. I do think we're going to get to see Charlotte's plan lived out uh, and see them make their final escape uh, out of the Ozarks. Huh. Yeah. That that whole situation, watching that clip, you know, I even went back and watched it again. And yeah, that truck definitely was, you know, purposely doing it on purpose, targeting yeah. them. And who knows who was involved? Could it have been staged as a way to set up so that they could get away? And, you know, their the bird name is no more, but they can still continue mm. to live their life. Um, who knows? Right. We could oh. see something like it's a staged hit. Interesting. We don't know. Um, but I, I do think that you're right. There's more death that's going that is going to follow this. I, I really do hope, you know, it's hard because it, it's hard to have any sort of predictions of where anything's going to go. I can just tell you what I'd like to see. I would love to see mm. Ruth get her revenge and oh, really come to I want I want two I want double like handguns or double machine guns. <laughs> I want her to have a machete at one point. I want to see her go full John Wick Kate style uh and take out the the Navarros all of them. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to see it happen. I, I'd like to see her get her revenge and I, I also just think that there's you know they're doing such a great job with elevating this sort of the the as you as you pointed out the the cause and effect to certain sort of relationships yeah. and events and how it impacts individual characters. And I, I think what's really interesting is is sort of focusing on on characters like Wendy and Ruth as being both people that are looking out for others. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was Wyatt and, and three for Ruth, and obviously for yeah. Wendy, it's her, it's her kids. And the stakes that they're going to go to to make sure that they are safe. And it'll be really interesting to see now with the loss of Wyatt and kind of, like I said, like, Ruth having to deal with the fact that she kind of played a part in Wyatt's death. If she didn't take part in that deal with Marty that drew attention to the situation, Navarro wouldn't have gone there and said, okay, I'm taking care of this myself. You know, he, he might've done it sooner or later, but that moment is definitely elevated based on the decision that she made to help out Marty. And so that's that's now twice where... Her exactly. her intentions were good, but it led to the death of somebody very, very important to her. Yeah. And so mm. is she going to be able to recover from that? Does she even care about getting out at the end? Or is is it just get her revenge, even if it costs her her life at this point? Yeah, it, it, yeah. She, she's, she's kind of a tragic character because as much as she tries to do good, people get hurt in that process so i think she has nowhere to go she has nowhere to go after this like what i don't really i I just don't see any sort of aspirations outside of revenge for her and so i think you're yeah she's got to get out of the ozarks right like we're gonna lose her yeah (laughs) that being said if they were gonna do a spinoff series for any character i would watch i would watch ruth you know what I mean? Ruth? I would wait. Just well, sure if you want to go that route. Or it. even if it's her turning the page and maybe not being in such a dark world, and it's you know, rebuilding Ruth, and it's right. showing how everything <laughs> she's learned, she's now using for her her, her good. And but then her past bubbles ways. up to sure. There we <laughs> go. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> Green light it now, Netflix. We're in. We're in for sure. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, certainly lots to look forward to. There's lots of uh, loose ends and, and whatnot to tie up in, in part two, but we will have to wait and see <laughs> what happens whenever we get that from Netflix. Uh, before we leave you, though, guys, I think I would like to give our scores for season four, part one. And because it's such a common occurrence in the show, we're going to be doing so out of five gunshots to the head. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, yeah, this, these first seven episodes, again, this is a part one, so we'll have to see how it sort of nets out after the other seven episodes. I find, you know, a lot of shows, especially of this caliber, have a really tough time sticking the landing, uh, as we've talked about before. But at least for this first half, these seven episodes... Um, I, it's just, again, so elevated. They, they, the way that they're able to um, take characters and make me feel one way and then another way about them, even to the point of someone like Omar Navarro, where by the end of this, I kind of, in a weird way, felt bad for this <laughs> this drug lord. Especially, you know, when he's, when he's there talking with Marty and Wendy after everything and says, I would never kill a kid. You know, you can see that he's not yeah. pure monster, whereas... I don't think that exists in Javi. You know what I mean? No. I think, but yeah, they, they had Omar as a shell of his former self, broken down. And yeah, you feel yeah. just a little bit sorry for him there. Because Javi, it literally a few scenes after, does uh, kill a kid. So, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm just so intrigued by these shows that can take these characters, make me feel a certain way, and, and change that so swiftly, so uh so, so done so well, so clean, uh, and with really few breaks in between. Um, again, super tense all the way through. I loved these seven episodes of this show. Uh, so I'm giving it five out of five. Sh- what is it again? Shots to the head? Gunshots to the head. Gunshots to the dick. Uh, <laughs> five out of five for sure. Yeah. Um, as I was saying at the top of this review, this this is a slow burn family drama that that keeps you engaged keeps you tense uh makes you really invested in the events and the characters i think that there was just such a uh, a great uh center stage for for characters like ruth and and wendy and and jonah uh who i think in past seasons we've seen evolve and they've just kind of come to this point of really taking the spotlight uh, Jason Bateman, while very much like this season, is very reserved and tempered, still brings his A game along with the rest yeah. of the cast. Um, I loved Dar- like Darlene was a whack job. Um, I'm glad she she bit the dust because she was a bit <laughs> too too crazy. She got a little too many shotguns in there. Um, yeah. So I don't know for for part one, like you said, Nate, like for this building up to a part two, it does a really good job at that. I think the real topic of conversation will be at the end of part two how we really feel with these two uh, stories being told and if they really can do justice yeah i'm gonna be giving this one a 4.5 out of five gunshots to the head even if they even if this wasn't part one even if they had just said this is the fourth season and then the fifth season's on its way like the even though we're looking at it as a part one part two this is a phenomenal seven episode little season and the way that they they fit an entire season's arc into what we would expect from 14 episodes into seven is so good like it just it blew me away thinking about it. i was like holy crap like yeah this is a part one but but where we see sort of even that final scene with ruth 
was just so perfect. And I, I was like, that's the end. And and even if that was the end, I'm glad it's not. But even if it was, I'd still be feel really satisfied with this. Yeah, I, I I was just blown away by how they were able to improve upon what they've already done in the past. I think you said towards the top, Nate, that this might be your favorite season so far of the show. And I'm right there with you. Um, I just think every little detail is handled so well in the show, even to that final scene you're talking about with Ruth in the car. And the choice to not have us hear the scream, but to just see it and still feel it so intensely. I mean, Jason Bateman is just as terrific behind the camera as he is in front of it, and uh, he yeah. really brings a lot to the show. And I, I just think it's such a testament to the showrunners that they're ending the show now instead of yeah. dragging it on for longer and longer. It's such a huge hit. I'm sure they could go on for seasons and seasons and, and get huge views, and instead they're saying, no, this is the story we want to tell, and we're starting to wrap it up now. And, I mean, leave us wanting more is always a better strategy than, than, than dragging it on too long. And, and I think this is the perfect time to sort of start to see this story come to an end. Um, this is a damn near perfect season for me, I would say, other than, again, that opening scene really bothers me. I hate when shows do it because, again, <laughs> with the birds in season three, every time they were on camera, you thought they might get shot right up to that final scene in season three as they're getting led to Omar and you thought oh boy, are, what's going to happen here? Is he going to shoot one of them to send a message, you know? And I just didn't have any of that fear around these characters this season. And maybe I wasn't supposed to, but that is what I have come to expect from the show. And so, yeah, it just, it just took away that little element of, of fear that I think is so important to have when you're, when you're dealing with a show like that. But again, otherwise, absolute perfection for me, or damn near close to it. So I'm going to give part one of season four of Ozark 4.8 out of 5 gunshots to the head. I was actually right. surprised that uh, Jason Bateman, I, I don't think he directed any of the episodes. Really? Yeah, I think Robin Wright actually directs the last two episodes, if, if not the last episode, which I think is great because Robin Wright is, you know, albeit it is House of Cards, but she did a great job with the episodes that she directed of House of Cards that that really do, like, their standout episodes. So um, there, there was a lot of, like, I, again, I, I can't pull up all the, the specs for all of the episodes of who directed what, but I haven't seen his name. I, I, I was looking for it uh, significantly, which is interesting because, again, very much like this season, he has taken a bit of a back seat and sure. has, is allowing other people's you know voices and eyes to kind of tell the story of that he's kind of helped establish. You're, you're absolutely right. He uh, did not direct a single episode uh, in season four, part one. Um, but I was reading an article... Uh, just after finishing watching season uh, season four here, and uh, the the showrunner was talking about how Jason's in the editing room. He's he he helps to write all the scripts and has really been pivotal in developing the characters, fleshing out arcs, and then making those decisions in the editing room. Such as he was the one who suggested to to take out the audio from the scream from Ruth Love at that. the end. Oh, and so, awesome. Yeah, so I think he does have his hand, even though he's not maybe directing the episodes, he is still very much a part of creating everything that really works in the show. Uh, well, there you have it, our spoiler-filled review for Ozark Season 4, Part 1. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review, or we might just have to call our good friend Javi to pay you a visit. Oh, Before no. we let you go, we want to know, what did you think of Season 4, Part 1? Were you shocked at the sudden deaths of Darlene and Wyatt? 
What did you think will happen to the birds at the end of part two? And what are your other theories for what might happen to our beloved Ruth? You can let us know at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a little bit too much like spending a night sleeping on top of a trailer, hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. As always, we have tons of great uh, content on the podcast, just dying to be heard. We have our fourth episode for our ongoing watch club for Disney Plus's Book of Boba Fett. We have our Geek Back episode where we look back on 2021 and ahead to things we're most excited to see in 2022, which for me included the show we just talked about. We also played our first game of 2022 as Nate tested Justin and I to a game of Fake or Real Star Wars Edition. And each and every week, we're bringing you all the latest in news trailers and more in This Week in Geek. That's it. We're done, and we will see you for part two somewhere down the road. Justin, Nate, and everyone listening, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And until next time, keep it geeky. The Geek Centric Podcast is not affiliated with any Mexican drug cartels. Bird is the word. (laughs) 